0: Well, we're here. Good morning. If this is your first time, my name is Ryan, and I am glad that you are visiting us this morning. Go ahead and grab your seat. Don't let guys like Case hold your back. Can you just kick them in the ankles? Don't let tall people scare you. We are wrapping up our series on the Holy Spirit today, and it's been a uh, it's been an interesting week. When you every time I wrap up a series. You know, you can never get all that you want into a series, and this is a series that God had brought about in the middle of our Acts series, and the next week, believe it or not, we're going to be in Advent. Christmas is upon us, and I know because many of you are on Facebook that some of you have already put up trees. You need to ask Jesus for forgiveness, because <laughs> it's not right, and you're making the rest of us look bad, and uh, another thing that I learned in Florida, you don't want to store your candles in your garage, um, because Florida does not have mercy on wax in the summer. Um, but as I said, we're going to go through the. We went through the Holy Spirit series. We talked about who He is, what He does, how He gifts us, how He bears fruit in us, and today uh, we're going to wrap it all together, kind of like one of those presents where you just take that clear wrapper, you put it in a thing, and you put a bow on the top. That's what today's going to be. Before I get into that, I want to do a couple things. Um, one is, as a pastor, I, I have a lot of books and Bibles, and I always feel bad when I stop using a Bible. Because I love Bibles, and I don't know how to get rid of them. Twice in my life now, I've taken Bibles that I've read through that have been tattered and torn up, and I I don't know how to get rid of them. So what I do is I bury them in a Tupperware, and I put duct tape all around it. It's like a time capsule. I write a letter. I go out to some wilderness place, and I bury it, and I leave it there. But this Bible, I love the notes in, and and I didn't want to bury it because I barely used it at all. But are there any Bible nerds in here that want a new Bible that have amazing Bible study notes? Any Bible nerds? Bible nerd, Bible nerd. Okay, here, Bible nerd. You got it, buddy. Of course you're a Bible nerd. There you go, man. Bible. There's all the kids that were jocks in school. They're like, I'm not a nerd. If you said Bible jock, that would have been me. It's okay, man. So let's pray, and we'll get into God's Word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for David getting baptized. I thank you for everyone that's come here today For whatever reason they've come, to be encouraged, to be lifted up, to find forgiveness, to find help in a relationship. God, there there are 150 different reasons that people are here today, and I pray in the name of your son Jesus that, that they would meet you and that you would meet them right where they are at, that you would bring encouragement, and that as we wrap up this series on the Holy Spirit, that we would be compelled to live for you in new and radical ways. I love you. I'll talk to you later. Amen. So I was thinking about people this week, and I wanted to put myself in people's shoes. And many of you have done this before. If you've never done uh, a game where you put yourself in someone's shoes, it's really fun. I like doing it um, with my wife. Like, I'll I'll go out with her, we'll we'll be at a mall, and I'll pretend that I like shopping. And I'll say, I'm just going to put myself in your shoes, and I don't know how she does it. Because when I go to any store, if I'm in a mall and she's like, ooh, this is the next store we're going to, my shoes look for a place to sit as fast as possible. And if you're my height, you can see it from wherever. So we go into Nordstrom, I'm like, there's a box there, a chair there, I'm going to scoot that mannequin over and sit right there. But my wife's shoes are different shoes. And not only that, she's a little bit shorter than me. So, so I try to envision what would it be like to be my wife? What would it be like to be happy every time we go to Disneyland or Disney World? Because when I go to Disneyland or Disney World, I sin the entire day. Uh, I want to I destroy people, I get all frustrated, people run into my cart. The only joy I have at Disneyland is when I find somebody that's still using a film camera and I can photobomb them because they don't know yet. They, like, they can't look back at their picture, so I just go back there, film camera, and I run away. So these people with Kodak disposables, they have this t- tall Asian guy in all their pictures. Sometimes I put myself in the shoes of my kids I want to know, okay, if I'm going to be the best dad that I can be to these kids, I need to try to remember and feel what they felt. But, but it gets increasingly harder because my kids are growing up in a different world than I grew up in. Last night, uh, if, you, if you see my oldest son Jackson today, he got some allergic reaction last night. I built them this wood tent and I think either something bit him or he was allergic to something in the tent that they slept in last night. So he woke up and his eyes were like sealed shut. And for those of you who don't know, I'm half Asian. And when I was younger, I looked more Asian. So when he wakes up, he comes out all puffy-eyed. What's wrong with my eyes? First thing his mom says is like, oh, you look like daddy now. I'm like, racist, (laughs) geez. I know, right? You're so busted, babe. I still love you. You married me. It's okay. You get a pass. And I try to put myself in his shoes, but... But literally, this is what he said to me this morning. I'm like, well, I'm going to take a picture, you know, for Facebook so I can embarrass him later or whatever, his wedding day. And he goes, Daddy, put your phone away. I already took a selfie. (laughs) And I thought, I can't put myself in in those shoes. When I was seven years old, the the word selfie, it was not even a blip on anyone's radar. When I was seven years old, the Internet wasn't a blip. Like there were a few guys that had a computer in a room that filled the whole room and they knew what the internet was and it was just dots and letters and that's it. This is a a new world and I don't want to be able to pretend to put myself in any of your shoes but I was praying through everyone and and I wanted just to read this list this morning to think about what other people next to you or you yourself are going through as we wrap this up and talk about how the Spirit will carry us through. Because some in this room are hurting some in this room are depressed. Some in this room are overwhelmed and ready to give up. Some in this room are sick. Some in this room are suffering. Some in this room are feeling distant from God. Some in this room are feeling lonely, ignored and neglected. Some in this room are in need of encouragement. Some in this room are angry and bitter toward their spouse. Some in this room are seeking guidance and counsel and help. Some in this room feel Need for nothing at all, not even God. Some in this room are lost. Some in this room are only thinking of themselves and their own needs. And as we wrap up this series on the Holy Spirit, I need you to know that when the Spirit of God gets in you, He is going to meet you right where you are, but He loves you so much and He has so much power that He will not leave you right where you are. He'll find you where you're hurting, but He will not let you hurt. On forever and ever he'll find you when you're feeling distant from your spouse but he is a God of restoration in Ephesians 2 8 to 10 it's one of my favorite verses for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of work so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so here's how God's spirit works we're all born and we're all messed up people. You know that thing, if you're a regular chapel member, you know that I have us do this all the time, where you take your finger and you don't point at anyone else, you point it at yourself and you say, I'm worse than I think I am, but that's good news because that means Jesus died for more than I ever knew or imagined. When I baptized David this morning, and oftentimes when I'm baptizing anybody, they think, well, if I'm getting baptized now, like what if I mess up again? And I gave David the same encouraging words I give to everybody. Brother, you will mess up again. The reason you're getting baptized is not because you're perfect, it's because Jesus was perfect and you were not. And that's why we dunk you in the water because you're dead now to yourself and you're alive in Christ. Now, I wanted to take it back a little bit because um, David's a Ravens fan and I'm a Steelers fan and they're rivals. And when he came out from changing, he said, I just wanted to show you what I used to dry off the baptismal water. And it was a Ravens towel. Can you imagine the nerve of that plan? all right. I told him Jesus still loves him, and so do I, barely. I mean, Jesus loves you a lot. I, never mind. I, this verse, this concept of the Spirit, you need to know that when you're saved by the Spirit, you're sealed by the Spirit, and it's God's grace. And I love, you don't see it in the English because it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And the word for workmanship in this verse is the word poema, where we probably get the word poem. God saves you, and then you are his poem that he is writing out. And he writes this poem as the spirit begins to fill you and change you from the inside out. I love that. I love that because I try to write poems. I used to write them more when I was dating. Um, as dating men do, you write poems, you say all the nicest things, and you get married, and you're like, what's a poem? You know, And your wife still dreams about days to write poems again. But God, in every single one of you, is writing the poem of your life. And he's not doing it by your effort. He's not saying, if you try hard enough, then you're going to be an amazing poem. He looks down at you, and he says, according to Romans 3, you're jacked up, that's the Greek, and you need my help. So he reaches down, he saves you by his grace, this verse says in Ephesians. And then he fills you with his spirit and begins writing the poem of your life. And some of our poems, they're difficult. Some of the poems that are represented in this room are filled with trials right now. Some of you are thinking, if God is writing a poem, he's not rhyming in a way that I like, and I want him to start to rewrite this script. But what he does is so generous towards us. God is a generous God, and when he gives us his Holy Spirit, he does something very, very good. He takes us in baby steps. He doesn't demand that we grow up instantly. We're not instant coffee. We're not even slow brewed coffee. We are the slowest working spiritual growth project, and it takes a lifetime. But the Holy Spirit does it very strategically. First, he gives us a new heart. Everyone say, new heart. heart. It says in Ezekiel, let me just read it so we get it word for word. In Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is the ultimate heart transplant. This is why when we were talking a few weeks back about how the Holy Spirit convicts and remember what I told all the wives to do? I said, wives, you don't need to try to get your husband to see his sin. You just gently walk over to him and you pray just so he can hear you and you say, Holy Spirit, get him. In Jesus' name. And you walk away because the Holy Spirit will give your husband a new heart or your wife a new heart or your kids a new heart. I don't try to just control my children, although I would like to, because I've seen that it does not work. When I try to simply put all these boundaries around my kids, it might work from the age of like zero to three. And then at the age of three, going on 20, they just despise me, they rebel, they're not afraid of anything. My oldest son's still afraid of spanks. Silas, not so much. Uh, and I've shared with you, Silas is my, my fearless one. He read that, you know, he knew, he knew that the Bible talked about not being afraid. He's not afraid of anything. He's barely afraid of spanks. When I try to tell him what to do and not to do, he listens for maybe 30 minutes tops. If I'm giving him a good moral lesson, if I bait him with candy, I might get 45 minutes of decent behavior out of him. So what I do is I I sit him down at the end of the night and I pray with him and we just thank God for everything. And then when I'm going to bed or when I wake up in the morning, I am just pleading with God, God, my kids need a new heart. They need to take the stone heart of rebellion. You need to rip that out of them and give them your heart. You need to put your spirit within them. And I pray to God like that, as you should for yourself, because there are still areas of our lives where our hearts are out of sync with God. And God says right here that I will give you a new spirit. I'll take out your messed up heart. I'll put in my heart, and you'll obey my rules. If you're anything like me, obeying God's rules can be a little bit difficult. Anyone else struggle with obeying God's rules? Okay, let's do a quick test. This is called like the basic test of Christianity. How many of you guys have broken a Ten Commandment, you think, in the last seven days? I'm so, you are my people. I love it. Now, some of you are thinking, like, have I broken a Ten Commandment? And you just go through the list. Like, we can start at the, the, the deep end. Have you killed anybody lately? Murdered? Okay. Some guy's like, oh, me, me, me. Yeah, everyone, uh. Have you stolen anything? Don't raise your hand, because the person next to you is going to hide their tithing check. We get down to the the line or or for all the students in the room, have you honored your mother and father perfectly? Have you been the the child who says, mother, father, whatever you dream, whatever you want, I want to serve you, love you, and pour into this family. Is that every 10-year-old to 17-year-old that we know? Because we need new hearts. And God says, when you come to him, you come to Jesus by faith, God will give you a new heart. Everyone say, "New new heart. Okay, not only will God give you a new heart for those around you, but he'll give you a heart that looks at the world differently. If, if you've been on Facebook or if you've been near any electronic devices, if you've been breathing really in America, you've seen news lately. Because we had the Paris attacks, we had the ISIS thing. And if you were here last week, it got really uncomfortable when we were talking about who's made in the image of God. Because you remember I said, uh, I, I would say something and you would say, made in the image of God. I'd say, that teenager is made in the image of God. And I went down the list. And when I got to Politician's, about 50% of you opted out of agreeing that politicians are made in the image of God. I said, politicians are? And then you said, made in the... And then then I just jumped off the cliff of insanity because I do that. And I said, the ISIS terrorists are? Oh, you should have heard the room go silent if you weren't here last week. There was made, made. The Syrian refugees are made in the image of God. God's going to give you his heart, and it's going to look very different from your heart. One of the tests that I ask people oftentimes, I'll say, hey, does God agree with everything that you think in your head? Because if God agrees with everything you think, and he just gives you the stamp of approval on everything you do, it may not be the actual God of the Bible that you're worshiping, but a God that you made up in your own mind. Because the God of the Bible is going to give you a new heart that's not your heart. Your heart is stone, self-centered, and selfish. God's going to give you a flesh heart that's loving and outward-looking and outward-focused. Next, the Holy Spirit gives us God's mind. Everyone say, a new mind. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, saying when you get the Spirit, he will teach you things. He will bring remembrance, all the things that Jesus taught you, he will bring to the surface at the moments that you need them. Anybody had that experience where you're talking to somebody about God and all of a sudden, a Bible verse pops out of your mouth that you never knew you knew? And, and it happens to me quite regularly because I'm reading this book and I'll be talking to somebody and then a verse will just pop out and I'm like, whoa, that was a great verse for them to hear right then and I didn't ever memorize that verse, but the Holy Spirit will give you a new mind. He will change your stinking thinking from things about yourself to things about others and things about blessings and things about love toward the people who need it most in this world. I I don't know about you, but I could sure use a new mind quite a bit of the time. My mind wanders. I am not like the dog from Up that gets distracted by squirrels. Um, I'm worse than that. When you talk about ADD, I'm A-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D, and that's why I got all D's in school. I, I get so distracted that early on my wife had to grow accustomed to my brain and how it malfunctions all the time. She would say, how many things are you thinking of right now? And I would rattle off five or six things. And she goes, how can you pay attention to me if you're thinking about all that stuff? And I said, I, I was just kidding. I, I only thought about you. I didn't say that. Because I didn't want to lie, because I'm already on the hook for, you know, Jesus did all that dying for me. (laughs) But the reality is, is that our minds need a makeover. And when when the Spirit comes into us, He is going to change our mind. Romans 12, 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So, by God's mercy, by God's undeserved gift, present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So you say, okay, Pastor Ryan, if I'm going to do this Holy Spirit thing, I'm going to follow God, I get a new heart. So my heart's going to start beating for the people that need my love and help and service. But I need a new mind. How do I get a new mind? What does that look like? Well, it looks like this. I'm going to use a very basic analogy, okay? Trash cans. We all own one we throw stuff in them that is trash, right? They don't smell good, you take those out, you put them in the other bin, you take that bin, you put it out in the curb, someone takes your trash away. And then you've got food that you actually eat. So here's the predicament for me. And this is where it's so easy to become a legalist. It's so easy to say, well just do that and don't do that. It's hard because I could tell you guys, don't put garbage in your mind or your mind will be full of garbage. That's fairly simple. But then we have to start defining what is garbage. Is it a certain type of music? Because that's what it was when I got saved. And, and I've shared with you guys before, I've literally thrown away the Metallica Ride the Lightning album multiple times and repurchased it because I need Jesus. I had the cassette and another cassette and a CD, another CD, 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 download, download, delete, 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 download, download. So is that a type of music? I don't know. I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning and for whatever reason I downloaded the new Adele album. Amazing. Don't judge me. But then I thought, is this good? I don't know if this is good. She's sad. She's angry. She's, there's some guy that hurt her, I think. I can't really tell what's going on. <laughs> is that garbage or good? I know there are shows that I watch, and, and usually it's like 35 minutes into a 45-minute show that I'll think, I probably shouldn't have watched that. I probably could have spent 35 minutes of my life better than th- that, whatever it is. And I'm not watching like these horrendous shows. I'm watching The Flash and Arrow on binge mode. But is that filling me up with good things or is that garbage things? Some of it, I want to admit, just so you don't go home and watch The Flash and feel guilty, is good for you to rest and unplug sometimes. Sometimes uh, the most precious moments I have with my wife are when we're watching a show that we both like simultaneously, which is really rare because I don't like the housewives of anything. (laughs) But God will give us a new mind And as he does that, it will change our focus because a a new heart will cause our heart to beat and love outward. Whereas before, our hearts are all about ourselves. A new mind is going to do the same. It's going to be outward thinking, outward focus. How can I plan and plot and pray to serve others, help others, love others? And in that process, our mind will be renewed. Our mind doesn't get renewed by thinking about ourselves more. Our mind gets renewed when we begin thinking about others more. The Holy Spirit will make us then God's hands filled with God's power. So I want us to remember this, because I say this a lot. Head, everyone say head, Head. Heart. heart, hands. This is what we think and know and believe about Jesus. This is what we feel and desire and are passionate for about Jesus. And our hands represent what we do for Jesus. Now, if you look at your life, head, heart, and hands, most of us will tend toward one of those or the other, right? So let me illustrate. If you're the person who uh, grew up in the church and you were born pretty much any between the 40s and the 70s, you're going to be in your, wait, let me, paraphrase, or let me qualify this, and you are also in a conservative denomination. So if you're a Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, you're all head. When we do a Bible study, you're like, I'll be at that Bible study. When we do Sunday night services, you would be like, I'm going to be at my Bible study, my Sunday night service, my Wednesday night service. I just want to learn, 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 learn. Because Christianity for you is what you know. But God isn't just about what you know, He's also about what you feel. Now, if you're if you're my charismatic brothers and sisters, you come from the AG, the Assemblies of God, the Pentecostals, the Vineyard movement, you're all heart. And I like that. You're the ones that that when we worship, you couldn't keep your hands down if I duct taped them to your thighs. The spirit would find a way because the songs come on and your love for Jesus would just explode that duct tape like a superhero and you dance and all the Baptists wonder why are you dancing? Is that a sin? And you just keep going. You don't care. You're all heart. If you're younger now, there's this new generation that's coming up. I'm going to say like 30 and under. All these 30 year old and under, I love them. It's, I have so much hope for the future of the church because there's this height and awareness of theology and Bible love coming again and there's this wave of what is called social justice. Now, some of that is not, it's not all good, but I love the fact that these millennials, as they, they're so-called millennial people, you guys love to serve your hands. Anything that would serve a poor, you want to do it. And, and who knows, I'm not going to judge motives, but I'm saying if there's a need and someone says, hey, we're going to take a trip around the world to do this, do this, do that, we're going to go down and serve homeless here, do this here, the millennials are all about that. Now, we've got to look at the balance of it all. Because the millennials and some of the people that are passionate about being the hands of God, man, do they need some more in the head. And before, all all you guys that are thinking, I've got all the knowledge. Yeah, but you've been eating so much Bible for so long, you're like the hugest Bible-saturated person who could not get in a spiritual treadmill to work out your hands if your life depended on it. You may know a lot, but if I asked you, when's the last time you made a disciple or shared the good news of Jesus, it'll be months and months and months and years and years. Because for you, Christianity was about what you knew and not what you did. But the reality is it's not any one of those at the expense of the others. It's about what you know, about what you feel and believe and are passionate about and about what you do. And sometimes the biggest roadblock is right here between your head and your heart. For me, that's where it is because I'm a reader. I read constantly. I read about a book a week and I'm reading my Bible all the time. So I'm, I'm piling stuff in here And it's gotten to the point now where I can look at the stuff in my head and say, I am not obeying so much of that. So I have to pray, God, remove this wall between my head and my heart so that I can be more gripped by God's grace and mercy in my life. So that finally the knowledge that I have can begin to trickle down to here and make me not just want to, uh, not just be obedient out of fear, but be obedient out of response for Jesus' love for me. And then when it goes from here to here, the next place it goes is to the hands. Head, heart, and hands. And all of you right now are thinking, okay, am I a head person, heart person, hands person? That's good. Stay right there. Because when the Holy Spirit grabs you, he will make you God's hands filled with God's power. Uh, I apologize. I'm going to be mentioning names. I love doing this. It's so fun being a senior pastor because you can do what you want. No one can get mad at you. It's so good. So I'm going to embarrass some of you right now. The Holy Spirit compels people to do things for God, to do things to push back the darkness in this world. All that you have as you sit right now, all of your clothes, all of your money, all of your house, all of your family, all of your kids, everything that you have has been given to you by God to be used for God to push back the darkness in this world. Acts one says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, not just power for yourself, power to be his witnesses. John 15 5 says, I am the true vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. There's a power that we have to lean on if we're truly going to be transformed in our head, heart, and hands. And the power is doing what Jesus has called us to do, to push back the darkness in this world. And the reason I wanted to wrap up this Holy Spirit series with this concept is because the Holy Spirit is all about being sent out To push back darkness, to restore broken things in this world. Sin has broken and fractured the world and God's Spirit has come in with the ultimate restoration project to make broken things whole, to make relationships that were struggling whole, to restore all of the things that sin has brought to ruin. So let me just mention a few things. At about 1115 today, in about five minutes, if you're on our email list you're gonna get an email. And it's going to have chapel news in it, and part of it is going to say, do something. And it's this concept that I want us to embrace as a church, that we would become a do-something church. Uh, I'm all good for learning things. I like that we're a learn-something church. I like that we're a worship-God church. And I really want to make this push that we would become strategic and, and do what God wanted us to do. Because I've looked around, and I put myself in some shoes this week, and, uh, and it took me to some dark places, not dark in a bad way, but dark in a good way. I just looked at news in Tampa and I looked at the number of domestic abuse cases and my heart began to break. I looked at the statistic for single moms because my mom was a single mom most of my childhood and my heart began to break. I looked at the statistics for homelessness, for the number of people who are going hungry in our city, in our city and my heart began to break. And, uh, And I thought, God, this problem is too big for just me to take on. And he resounded that verse in my head. He said, good, you finally get the point. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, Jesus, I need you. The chapel people need you. What are we going to do? And I've, I've done this do something before, and it's very simple. There's a guide attached to it, and it just walks you through what it would take for you to start something you're passionate about to push back the darkness in this world. I I tested out the guide with a few people, so I'm just going to forewarn you. I sent the guide to Chuck and Erica right here. Chuck and Erica are uh, one of my favorite couples. Not to say you guys aren't all my favorite. I'll do the mom thing. You're all my favorite in different ways. Chuck and Erica are one of my favorites. Chuck does the end zone stuff, and I sent them this guide. and said, hey, can you look at this guide and just give me your thoughts and feedback? Because Erica grew up in the church, she's got a good lens for that type of stuff. She writes me back saying, I think God is calling us to start a 501c3 to help the adoption orphanage that we adopted our daughter from in Uganda be on the state side. And I said, I just wanted you to look at it. So now she's getting bombarded with, what does it mean? What have we gotten ourselves into? I think that was your last email verbatim. What have we gotten ourselves into? But they're going to begin pursuing that and praying through that. And as best I can, I'm going to walk alongside them. And if you're interested in that, then do that. Or (laughs) you could be part of the student ministry team. Edwin, Doreen, Todd and Pat, you're here somewhere. Erica and Chuck are there. Damon, the rapper, is there, the guy that's the Bible nerd. These, These adults give up their time on Wednesdays because they believe that teenagers are worth loving well. That's right. You see him, Baptist guy over there. It's the only time they talk. Deep voice. You never met a Baptist who's like, that's right, buddy. <laughs> Every Wednesday night, they give up their time, and they come here, and they, I don't even know what they did last week. All I saw were pictures of middle schoolers duct taped and Q-tips attached to them. I don't know what's going on. But I'm like, as long as you get Jesus in there, <laughs> like, between the duct tape and the Q-tips and the ping pong balls and the crazy things that are going on. Man. And that's what they're called to do. That's where they're called to push back the darkness in this world. And in this, this guide, the Do Something Church guide, it's going to walk you through very simply to say, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about that God's Spirit may be leading you toward? Maybe you are passionate about helping single moms like me. Maybe you are passionate about something totally other. Maybe there's a group of, of homeless people that are in Tampa that you see every week and they're just under a bridge or they're around a building. And every week you see them, you think, I just want to do something for them. Maybe this is finally the time that you do that because the guide is simple. You get the guide, you can print it out, you can download it. If you don't get the email, you can go online. I've got a page on our website. You can download the guide there, watch the videos to explain what it's about. And really at the heart of it, it's this. It's about looking at every way that, that a person in our world can get lost, broken, beat up, and defeated and finding and creating a practical way that they can be found in Jesus again. And it's not gonna be about us doing programs here it's going to be about us partnering together to do ministries there because for so long church has been about how we can get more people in here and for so long church has been as rick warren said we've, we've been more known to be the mouth of god rather than the hands and feet of god and we need to flip that over one of the questions i love asking myself is this because we are the body of christ so i say what did jesus do when he was in his body because now we are his body here on earth. So we should do those things. He cared for the widows and orphans. He reached out to those who nobody else would reach out to. He even reached out and tried to love religious people, and they ran from him. I read some sad quotes, and and there's always some angry 20-year-old that has a blog, and they were blogging about how Jesus wouldn't like our churches today, or we wouldn't let Jesus into our churches if he showed up, or he would be severely disappointed. A, they're probably a little off base. Because I think Jesus would come in here and have a radical love for us. I think if you were here today, he would be the biggest hugger in the room. I, I mean that. And, and you would be getting hugged by Jesus and say, I don't deserve to be hugged by you. And he would say, I know, that's why I love you. I think we've gotten so far from that and we've become more what we're against than what we're about that we've given enough people an excuse to not come check out what we're doing So that's why I want to send us out to do something. So if you don't get that email or if you didn't get it just a few minutes ago, you can sign up to get the chapel news. It's online. You can just scroll to the latest news. It'll be one of the top two or three things right there on the webpage. And my invitation is this that I've given before. Not many people take me up on it. I will sit down with you. We will drink 17 cups of coffee. We will pray through whatever God's calling you to do. And if God's calling you to join someone else, that will be great. And I'm pretty confident that we have a a few brilliantly and passion-filled people in this room. If I had to guess, I'm going to say about 152. And God is calling you to find your role, to fill your part. as what it means to be a do-something church. I had a great conversation at the cafe this morning. Uh, Someone said, this is the house of God. And I said, no, it's not. If my wife were there, she would have slapped me. Because I always tell people, we are the church, the people. The building is just a building. If a hurricane comes through here, rips this building away, Sunset Bay Chapel Church is still alive and well and kicking. Because you are the church. And it's high time we got out of this rickety old building that leaks anyway. And uh, started doing something in our community to push back the darkness with all that God has given us. So take stock as you ask the Holy Spirit to fill your life. Are you a head, heart, hands person? Where are you out of balance? Where can you ask the Spirit to fill and flesh out in your life? If you want to meet and hang out, give me a call, give me an email. We'll hang out. We'll go get coffee. I finally found a decent coffee shop in Riverview. Praise the Lamb of God. And I will be there a lot, spending a lot of money. I'm not going to buy it for you. You're going to buy it for me. But let's... Let's let the Spirit have his way in us. And let's have our minds transformed, our hearts of stone removed, and our hands active for God. And just for a season, let's limit our mouth to saying things that are only gospel-related. We don't need to give our political views with Jesus' hashtag at the end of it. We can just be normal people who love others well and reach into this dark and broken world to push back the darkness by the power of Christ in us. Let's pray. Father, your goodness and mercy astonish me. I am in awe that you would choose a ragtag bunch of people just like me to gather as a church on Sunday morning. Help us to be a do-something church. Help us to be a church that becomes known for meeting the needs of brokenness in our neighborhood, cities, and region. God, help us to count the ways that you are good to us and to respond as we are good to others. I thank you that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would forgive me over and over again God, I pray for those in here who feel painfully inadequate and far from you. I pray that they would know that all of this talk about the Holy Spirit means that you love them despite their brokenness, that you will meet them in the pit of their darkness, that you will meet them at the depth of their loneliness, and you will walk with them from there to all eternity if they turn to you by faith. Let that be so in lives today. Let this baptism spill more water on our floors and the faith candle be lit more and more regularly. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.